TGIF, my friends. Happy Friday. A three-day weekend is upon us. But we have some business to take care of today from 6 to 10 on this beautiful show called Over the Line. I want to say good morning to our fine affiliates out there from WKTY, WMAM, WOTE, and of course WOZN right here in Madison. And Rowdy, good morning, my friend. How are we doing today on this fine Friday? Yeah, looking forward to the weekend, Ebo. This week um, just seems like I've always been a day behind. As in, yesterday felt like Friday. Well, you had a lot of stuff on your plate, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Rowdy. You were the captain of the SSOTL. You were steering the ship uh, very well, navigating icebergs and shark-infested water and uh, East Coast elitism, Rowdy. And you did it, and you did it well. But now we finished the week strong, and the we'll get to the Brewers. Just a little recap. I want to start the show talking about Packers. We'll get to the Brewers very very quickly here. Uh, Rowdy. Luis Urias getting an Adam Wainwright Wayno early. In fact, the Brewers offense getting on Wayno early. It would be what the first four innings the Brewers getting their runs in. Ended up winning four to three. Josh Hader comes back after having a family emergency uh, with his wife and unborn child. Hader back with the team comes in for what is sixteenth save of the season. A little drama for Hader. Has not given up a run yet this season, but the Brewers feels oh so good to get into Bush Stadium and get a win over the Dirty Birds. How does that feel over Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals? Yeah, this was a big win for Milwaukee. Obviously, we talked about this road trip where it's three cities, 10 days, 11 games. Now on Dave number four here. Took two out of three against the Padres, opened up the series against the Cardinals with a win. And the reason why this is even bigger for me is the fact that we know that Eric Lauer has arguably been the second best uh, pitcher in this Milwaukee Brewers rotation so far this year, just right behind Corbin Burns. Who's the reigning Cy Young award winner. Corbin. But when you look at St. Louis, obviously this was at St. Louis. And if you really go and, and pick through Eric Lauer's numbers, he's historically been much better as a guy at pitching at home. Yeah. And this season they spelled it out. He's got an ERA at American family field below one. He's got an ERA on the road everywhere else at about three and a half. And on the flip side for the St. Louis Cardinals, they are the best team when it comes to hitting an OPS against left-handed pitching, and it's by a wide margin. Yeah. So the average for OPS last season was about 740. The Cardinals as a team so far this year have an average OPS of over 860. Did I hear it's the, insanely good. Did I hear in the broadcast too that the Cardinals are the best team in the majors at hitting fastballs, but they've seen the fewest amount of fastballs? I had the Cardinals side of the broadcast last well, night. Well, I mean, doesn't that make sense? Yeah, yeah if you're the best <laughs> at something, you would limit it what they throw at you. But yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are a the best team hitting left-handed pitching by a wide margin this year. I believe they're in the 680s for OPS. The Rockies are over 800. Nobody else in Major League Baseball is over 800. Yeah. The average OPS last season was like 7 40. That's a huge win. You had one of your better guys on the mound and Eric Lauer goes out there. Now what didn't couldn't limit the walks. He did have four. He, he, he got set, in trouble. He settled down after the first second. But he inning. was able to pitch out of some some tighter situations and, and get out of those innings. And again, five innings, just two earned runs. He settled down. And that was against the team that's one of the best teams in baseball hitting left-handed pitching. Brewers able to hold on. Yep. Josh Hader came back. Yeah, made it a little interesting. But you got to expect a little bit of rust when he hasn't pitched in like a week. 
Yep, and uh, he's got you know, his, you know his his what is is, is he married? His wife, his 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 significant other, and they're having some problems when it comes to their pregnancy. And he had mentioned that after the game that you know he's a little leery being away from his wife, but it is what it is. They got to wait and see what happens. Uh, they're going to have a C section coming up here. They wanted their child to be in the womb a little longer so it keep developing. So you got to imagine that's weighing on his mind a little bit. But yeah, he walked a little tightrope last night, but was able to get it done. And for the Cardinals side of things, Adam Wainwright was on the hill, who seems like if you feel like Adam Wainwright has been around forever, it's because he has. Yeah, how old he's is now, he now forty years old. He's got to be way up there. And he's a guy that historically has been much better at home. Now he's been uh, up and down against the Brewers some years, a little bit better than others, but yeah, predominantly has been a much better pitcher at home. So it it felt like with the fact that Lauer has pitched worse on the road, Wainwright has pitched better at home historically, and the Cardinals just mash left-handed hitting. Plus, we didn't know that Josh Hader would be reuniting with the team until later that afternoon. Yep. There was a lot of things going against the Milwaukee Brewers in that game, analytics and statistics-wise, but the Brewers came in, got a big win. And the injuries, too, that they've been suffering as well. I mean, outside of, you know, Hader being on the emergency you know list, uh, I know he wasn't injured. But, yeah, the Brewers getting it done at night. Once Lauer settled down, the Brewers got it going, and then it was uh, a collection of arms coming up from the bullpen of that. What did you have? Uh, you had uh, Kelly coming in, you had Gott, Boxberger, then Hader closing the door. Well, you had to figure that Devin Williams would be down because yeah, I think everyone was shocked that he even was allowed to pitch three <laughs> days in a row. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the council forgot the bubble wrap for the road trip out in San Diego. Well, yes, uh, Brewers, nice little win over the Dirty Birds, 4-3. to three. I do have three, three uh, facts or statistics on Josh Hader that are pretty crazy. Well, I want to save, I, I want to get to the Packers, uh, just a little recap of the Brewers. We'll get to the Brewers coming up here. Um, but Rowdy, I wanted to get right to the Packers right away. It's something I woke up. Sometimes when I wake up and I'm rubbing the sleepies out of my eyes after my alarm went off, I'm like, you know what? Oh, hey, that might be something good to talk about. So Rowdy, something we've been uh, discussing, the Green Bay Packers and their defense. Top five, potentially. Hell, Rob Reichel talking about it, how it could be the number one defense. I know, uh, as Nelly had said, pump the brakes. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I, myself, am getting too far ahead of myself, getting very excited for what this Packers defense brings to the table. But on the flip side, Rowdy, you know, Randall Cobb was talking the other day to the media, and Randy Cobb, Cobby, was talking about how he doesn't care about the outside noise of what people think about their wide receiver room. Because, you know, if you look at the wide receiver room, I mean, how would you describe it, Rowdy? The wide receiver room for the Packers. Old and questionable? No, it's not necessarily old. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is Sammy Watkins and it is Randall Cobb, the two guys that have been there for a while. But outside of that, it's it's pretty young and inexperienced. The old, the questionable, and the inexperienced. So you look at this wide receiver room, Randall Cobb saying, I don't care about the outside noise. We're the Packers. We're professionals. We got a guy named Aaron Rodgers. And then you look at what they have toting the rock. They got a guy named Aaron Jones. He's pretty damn good. They got a guy named A.J. Dillon. He's pretty damn good. And then you look at the tight ends. And in the poll that you and Ben had, was it the tight, what you're more comfortable with, the tight ends or the wide receivers? Tight ends ended up winning. I went with wide receivers. Ben obviously went with tight ends. We had Rob Reichel on yesterday. I asked him the same question. He ended up going long-term receivers. Yeah. But majority of people in the poll voted tight end. And most people that have chimed in when we asked the question, whether that be like the the Jockos of the world 
or I think even Bill Michaels had a couple people on and he used that question. They predominantly went tight end. Well, with that, and you throw in the offensive line, with the offensive line pretty good for the Green Bay Packers, obviously. And then you got a guy named Aaron Rodgers, number twelve, who is the you know back to back reigning MVP. He's got four of them, a Super Bowl winner as well, one of the best to ever throw the football. So if the defense is going to be around, uh, you know, top five in the league, we're hoping maybe number one. What right now do we think the Packers' offense is going to be? And I'm going to do a Twitter poll of this zero through five. You know, five through, you know, the top, what, 15, somewhere in the middle of the pack or somewhere near the end where you definitely don't want to be with the likes of putrid teams. Where, oh, where will the Packers offense be? Where will it be ranked? Well, Rowdy, according to NFL.com in my readings, the Green Bay Packers, and this is crazy to me, the Green Bay Packers boast the seventh best offense in the NFL. And the reason why it surprises me is because there's a guy named Devontae Adams who was traded away to the Las Vegas Raiders. And there was another guy named Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the speedster. I know he wasn't the healthiest of guys, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Packers boast a high-powered offense, seventh best according to NFL.com, without Devontae, the best wide receiver in the game. And Marquez Valdez Scantling, MVS, the burner. They have uh, new additions, obviously, in Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, and um, you see Sammy Watkins, who Rowdy's just talking about coming in, Randall Cobb back for you know the ghost of Randall Cobb. Where are where Rowdy? Well, let me ask you right away: the seventh best offense in the NFL, according to NFL.com, is that too high, too low, or just right for the Green Bay Packers? Where do you expect them to fall? Well, after year one for Matt Lafleur, where the Green Bay Packers went thirteen and three. And Aaron Rodgers had pretty decent numbers. It was a nice rebound from the 2018-19 version of Rodgers, which yeah. was Mike McCarthy's final year. The The offense with LaFleur has been in the top 10 every single year, correct? Mm-hmm. Especially the last two years, the offense has been pretty good. Pretty now good. you look at offensively the Green Bay team. We know that the offensive line should at least, not even looking at the draft, should at least be pretty solid without any depth. Then you had the draft, and it looks like you added some pretty good depth, potentially maybe a starter or two. Mm-hmm. So the offensive line looks pretty good. The quarterback position, if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, is obviously good. And then you talk about the running backs. You have uh, A.J. Dillon. You have Aaron Jones, a good one-two punch. And then Kylan Hill hopefully is back. He was a guy that showed some real promise in the preseason, also was the kick returner. Yep. And when you look at those three, especially if if Kylan Hill can come back and be healthy, obviously he'd spare those two from time to time. But that has to be arguably a top five duo in the NFL between Dylan and Jones. Love the duo. At running back with a good offensive line, with the arguably the best quarterback in the league. That's not even talking about receivers or tight ends yet. I can have a little music under this rowdy from the NFL film. So, you know, you look at the Packers. Packers offensive line obviously helping Rodgers immensely to get a little time, make some wide receivers great. Rodgers was pressured on just 20.1% of his dropbacks. That was the third fewest last year with the Packers. The Green Bay, uh, and when he wasn't under pressure, Rodgers led the league with a pass rating 122.6. So in 2021, Rodgers uh, pass rating of 117.7 on quick passes, which also paced the NFL. 
So with that offensive line, Rowdy, th- does that where it really begin for the Packers, the offensive line, to give Aaron Rodgers his time to be the brilliant mind that he is to work? So you look at these wide receivers, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, no Devontae Adams. If Rodgers is just given that time, that little extra than anyone else in the league, he's got the ability to make some wide receivers again. And when I say make wide receiver, I'm like, is, is, is Alan Lazard already a made man? Well, I think when you say can, can, can enough time for Aaron Rodgers to throw the football allow him to quote-unquote make the receiver, the receivers actually have to get open too. We've seen well, yeah. a lot of times where, uh, especially with the Mike McCarthy system before more or less LaFleur drew up some open plays for guys mm-hmm. where it was kind of like the schoolyard football. There was a lot of receivers that were coming towards the end of their careers when he had a shell of a receiving core, like when it was the ghost of uh, James, James Jones. Jones. The, you only because he had that hoodie on. Yeah, Janice was out there. It's, remember, and like Jared that receiver. Yeah, that receiving core when Aaron Rodgers was throwing to it. Those guys, especially the in that in Mike the McCarthy scheme, they didn't get open no. or not very often. Still made it to an NFC Championship game with. I guess those were the only guys that were left. Right, but when I say, like, make the wide receiver, I mean, Randall Cobb is already made. Like, we know what he is. He's getting older. Well, he's a slot guy. Him and Rodgers have a great connection. I mean, Alan Lazard, I feel like, is a made man. A little slower, obviously. A big body guy. But hell, look at the connection he has with Aaron Rodgers. They just passed Brett Favre together against, what was that, the... What was that against the... Well, the Browns is Christmas. What game did they pass? It doesn't matter. Alan Lazard caught Rodgers' touchdown pass to press. Brett Favre for all-time touchdown passes. The question then is, what's Christian Watson? You know, can he get up to speed? Can he be? Can Rodgers make him? Can Rodgers... Well, what's Sammy Watkins then? Rowdy. What's Sammy Watkins? I'd can say Sammy Watkins is, is, made? A, is a proven NFL vet. A made man if he can stay healthy? I guess the questions then become to Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs. You know, who can be that guy to step up and be that? If you were to say who's the number one right now, who would the number one be? In my mind? Yeah. Alan Lazard. Is that a little scary? It is. <laughs> it, it, it is. Alan Lazard. But that's the thing. It's like this Green Bay Packers current wide receiver roster has absolutely no one. Yeah. It's kind of like having a really, really bad pitching staff in baseball. And then whoever you trotted out there on opening day is like, Hey, that's our ace. (laughs) Eh, Is he really an ace though? (laughs) Let's see here. I just saw this. Alan Lazard posted the fourth best passer rating when targeted on deep passes. Wow. The fourth best passer rating. When targeted on deep passes in the NFL, 135.4. Unbelievable. And they say, Lazard, this is on NFL.com, looking to fill the massive void created by Devontae Adams' departure. I don't know if Alan Lazard is going to be uh, filling the void of Devontae Adams. It's going to be a collection of uh, guys stepping up here and there. Excited to see what Christian Watson brings, though. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone currently on this roster that can fill the void yeah, for Devontae Adams. I don't think so either. So it's going to be a collective effort. Looking at the Packers' offense, will they be then, and I'll look on the Twitter poll, but will they be then, as NFL.com suggests, the seventh best offense in the league when it's all said and done? You look at the Matt LaFleur offenses, and they have always are finishing top ten, so I don't see why it, it couldn't. Aaron Rodgers' entire career, we have said it's made the wide receiver, but if you go back and look at Aaron Rodgers' career, my God, was that dude just stacked with weapons early on when they were, uh, you know, made their 
who was it? Let's see here. Jermichael Finley, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Greg Jennings. Who am I missing here? I'm trying to think of that Sports Illustrated cover of all those guys. That was a hell of a collection. James Jones. Did you say James Jones? Yep. Uh, was Donald Driver on that? Uh, Yeah, he was. I, I want to say so. Here, I got it right here. Just found it. Thanks to the research department. You got Jermichael Finley, James Jones, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and Greg Jennings. So that was right after they won the Super Bowl because that's when Randall Cobb came in. The perfect pack, offense gone wild, is the Sports Illustrated cover. And there it is. What a collection. And now you look at it, Rowdy, <laughs> and you think to yourself, all right, can we be a top? You got Aaron Rodgers. Can you be top 10? Well, they definitely won't be having any Sports Illustrated shoots for this wide receiving core. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think so either. Yeah, uh, man, very interesting. We'll get the comments from Randall Cobb a little later. Cobby's on here. All right, so just dipping the toe on the Green Bay Packers chatter here when it comes to their offense. If defense is going to be top five, which we're being told and spoon-fed, where's that offense going to land? Uh, I just got a message here. Our guy, Dominic. Good morning, Dom. He says, did you guys see anything on the Packers trying to trade for the Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen? Did you see that, Rowdy? I have not. I have not. I have not, Dominic, but I will uh, get on the Google machine and check it out. Alan Lazard, by the way, on Jim Rome yesterday. I'll have to get to his comments. He's talking about how uh, he's bi- his bigger role and, of course, Super Bowl ambitions this season. But who doesn't want to win the Super Bowl? Yes, sir. Man's always got a stranglehold on some good bets. Our man in sunny Florida, Dave Esler, Uncle Dave. What's up, my brother? How are we living today? Uh, well, I, let me just get this off the table. I, I, too, am glad that the Baltimore Ravens are not in the AFC. <laughs> oh, you heard Zobin in the cross, Wisconsin. Dave, I'm so glad you listened. Uh, are you, were you enamored with our brat talk? Have you ever had a brat, David? Uh, I have, I have, I have. I told you, I've been to Wisconsin a few times. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Well, we have 180,000 brats in one location here in beautiful Madison, Wisconsin. Would love for you to come up and have just a couple of them, Dave. And when is this uh, festive? Start started right now. In fact, tonight, Dave, you and I could be front row, get a get a flight right now. We can watch 38 special front row at Broadfest tonight. And miss golf on Friday afternoon? Dave, it's 38 special. You hold on loosely, but you don't let go, dude. Come on. Well, uh, too bad we're too bad we're we're we're, uh, <laughs> we're live here. And miss golf, <laughs> Dave? Yeah. Uh, you, you a big Queensrÿche guy at all? What's that? Queensrÿche? You you a big fan of that band? Uh, I never heard of them. Oh, Dave. All right, I thought you were a classic rocker. All right, Dave. How about this? Um, well, to an, to an extent, but I'm also older than you, so my memory is as good. That's, well, Dave, I just got back from Denver, so my memory is struggling a little bit, too. So, Dave, let me ask you this. Rowdy over here, and I, full disclosure, I hate the Chicago Cubs. Of every sports team to ever exist, Chicago Cubs are my most loathed. Like, I can't, I just can't, I can't stand them. And yesterday, Rowdy took the Chicago Cubs to beat the Cincinnati Reds. What was the bet you took again, Rowdy? Yeah, I think the Cubs were like roughly minus 115 on the money line. They lost 20 to 5, Dave. I'm, not, I, I'm keenly aware I was on the Reds. 
How, any words of advice for Audi to get back up on the horse here after just getting pounded twenty to five? Or is it just one of the just hey, it just is what it is, right? Any advice? Um, you know, twenty to five, it doesn't take a lot of your uh, blood pressure medicine to lose. <laughs> you know, when you when you blow a game in the, in the ninth inning, it's much more painful. That's true. Like See, a- it was the third inning where the Reds completely struck, and after that, I really didn't monitor the game at all. Yeah. So I guess we just move on, Dave. And can we move on with? Well, you, could, you, you, you could have taken the alternate alternate run line plus sixteen minus probably sixteen hundred. Instead, I decided to go with another classical rock line and turn the page like Bob Seger. Oh, yeah, we were watching. I know that one. We were watching in the office, and after Hunter Green like refused to throw the ball and started getting shelled around, he's like, "I can't watch this anymore," and he just left and went home. Dave, can you give us a winning baseball bet today, my friend? Can you give us something? Well, you know, I I can try. I, I actually, because you went to Denver. And because Rowdy told me off air that he kind of likes Colorado, I'm going to take Colorado. Um, it's it's a little dicey. Uh, I think it's more I'm going to bet against Washington and Aaron Sanchez. I mean, the guys, the guys ERA is 7.16. Is he's allowing almost 13 hits per nine innings? Uh, do you want to bet on that? I don't think so. And you look at Washington. You know, I know Colorado. They they historically struggle on the road. But if you look at Washington, they're 10 games under 500 at home, and they're only winning 33% of their games against left-handed starters, which Austin Gomber happens to be. So I'm going to, uh, in honor of your trip to Denver Thank you. and Rowdy Glean, I'm going to confirm and take the Rockies. Ah, that's that's some high living right there, Dave. I love it. Uh, what about this? All right, let's switch a little gears here. Um Obviously, our Milwaukee Bucks are no longer in the NBA playoffs. It hurts to say that a little bit. Uh, the Boston Celtics dispatched them, and now we're looking at this series right now as the Warriors punch their ticket to the finals. Tonight, 7.30 Central time here. Am I seeing this right? The Celtics in a closeout game at home favored by eight and a half points? What does Dave Esther think? Yeah, I see that too. I mean, I think the very fact that it's eight and a half and it's, it's been eight and a half for a couple days is a little telling to me because the the gambler in me would say, you know, there's not that. I mean, that's too many points. And you got to know when to fold them. I'm surprised that it hasn't come down. I'll be interested to see what it does closer to tip off. I mean, I think maybe the sharp guys are waiting for the public to push it a little higher to come back and take Miami, but I don't think. I think the value there is in the total. I mean that, you know that they've had they've had uh, you know 184 and 173. Um, so after the first two games, they've all been relatively low scoring. And you know the Heat scored 82 and 80 in the last two games. I don't, I don't, you know, if the Celtics have Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, um, they may cover that number. But I don't think that I think the Miami team total best I could find was a 96 and a half. And I don't think Miami scores that many. I mean, if you look at their look at their stats just in this series, I mean, they're barely shooting forty um, percent, and they're less than thirty percent from from three. And and Jimmy Butler's three point percentage is sixteen percent. Mm. So I mean, sometimes you just think, okay, well, the the the, the, the wheel has to turn um, the other way at some point in time. But I think it's I think it's fast forward Celtics defense. I don't I don't. Uh, 
provided they're at full strength. Um, I don't think Miami. I don't think Miami scores ninety six and a half. They do say the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. I, don't, I think you've heard that one, right? A little journey for you. Yeah, I'm trying to think who did that, but little, yes, little I have. Little journey, little journey for you, Dave. The wheel. Okay, in the well, sky keeps on turning. You know, that's why I have, I have friends. <laughs> Uh, loving it, Dave. So yeah, I was like, I saw eight and a half. I was like, good googly moogly. That's a that's a big old number. Yeah, I, I would I would be I would be tempted to lay that, Paul. But then I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe a first half bet is better. I don't know what the first half line is. I mean, I could I could click one button and look, but it's probably about five. I'm sure. I mean, you're a smart thinking, guy. Well, all right, I'll look. Well, I mean, I bet I you think- you nailed it. Dave, and sometimes you gotta know when to you know you gotta know when to fold them or know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away. You know. Yeah, the first half is exactly five. Um, I, I, actually, I never doubted I think, you. I never doubted it. You know, it's interesting also that 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 first half total, you can find one hundred and three at a couple of books, and the game total is like two hundred one, two hundred one and a half, and that's a little bit telling too because typically the first half total is a little bit less than half of the game total, uh, sometimes a lot of it, sometimes like 45%. And the fact that it's higher is a little, is a little they're, they're trying to tell you something there, I think. Mm. Um, I, I'm not quite sure what that is yet, but because the total is higher would lead me to take perhaps the Celtics for the first half. I mean, laying, laying five with a total of 103, I think, is better than laying eight and a half with a total of 201. So let's let's do that. You have a beautiful mind on you, Dave. God, that's why I love having you on. Uh, that, Dave, that was a, that was a that was a movie. I know that. <laughs> yeah, Russell Crowe. <laughs> Dave, yeah. I can't get anything by you. I feel like this is beautiful. Besides, maybe a, uh, coming to Wisconsin have a brat. All right, Dave. Before I let you go, uh, you were puffing the chest out last week and last Friday, and rightfully so. Uh, you were getting it done in the PGA Championship. How did everything go for your betting prowess on the uh, the golfing field that was? I'm almost embarrassed to tell you, Ebo. Please. Um, there were I, there were there were eight guys that ended up at four under yesterday, uh, first round leaders, and I actually had two of them. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at the leaderboard, and if we go down to uh, T nine, tied for ninth right now, there are let's see eight nine guys, and I have Davis Riley. Who is ninth? I have uh, Chris Kirk to win, who was one of the final uh, mm-hmm. first round leaders yesterday. I have Harold Varner. I have Scotty Scheffler, and I have Webb Simpson. So I think I have like four of the first five and eight of the first nine. So um, that probably means I'm going to suck today. But yesterday was great. <laughs> well, good, Dave. I'm I'm glad. And real quick before I let you go, can, can, yeah. Can I take the Can I take the Cardinals? No, no hang on a second here. You talking now baseball? I was. You well, I don't think he's talking football. You want to take? You want to? You you want to come on our airwaves, Dave? Our uh, the yeah, Milwaukee because, Brewers love that know, we have a Brewers can, affiliate and take the Cardinals. If I can, if I can cause controversy, it'll it'll uh, it'll it'll help the ratings. All right, all right. You have the Cardinals, Dave, and I'll take the crew. Winner's got to do something. Winner's got to eat like four brats in one sitting, okay? It's, it's not or loser, loser has to win. Loser. It's not wearing a sunshine without leaves. All right. In the middle of nowhere. The winner or loser, depending on how you view this, has to go sun their balls and take a picture of it. 
Not the ball, no. not the balls themselves. Just just proof that your feet are in the air, sending your balls. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at this game, I'm not, I'm not really I'm, I'm not really good at using Canva or any of those. Well, have your wife take the picture. Um, She's oh, seen them before. I can take the picture. I'm just not sure I can deal with the graphics as good as you. <laughs> I might have to just go. I might have to just go without. Yeah, we'll figure it out, Dave. We'll have, we'll have Rowdy determine what we should do. I don't know. I think if you look at the game, Woodruff has much worse splits on the road. Hudson, I think, is slightly better at home. I'm going Homer. I'm going Homer on him, Dave. Give me the crew. Well, you take the controversy of the Cardinals, week. Dave. We'll talk next week. Uh, and one of us will be starting their balls. I'm looking forward to it. And if it's you, you can't use that same picture. <laughs> Dave, I do it like every day anyways. So you got it. Dave, we love you, buddy. I love you guys too. <laughs> Have a good weekend, Dave. Good luck golfing. The Badger schedule, a lot of the times are out. A lot of 2.30 kickoffs. Uh, Benjamin, if you... Uh, want to chime in this is bad for you and i because we both are on the crusade for all 11 a.m kickoffs rowdy loves the 230 yeah we're on the right side of history here (laughs) (laughs) i love the 11 a.m kickoff because a i get up early anyways my body's used to it i can get down get a bloody mary at eight o'clock in the morning set up for the tailgate show that's going to happen at nine i get a couple of shots in me some jmo maybe you know who's ever our sponsor probably coors light and then we do a, one of the greatest shows to ever grace God's green earth. And then we get ready for 11 o'clock kick. Badgers get it done. And then I'm out of there and ready to, you know, have a late lunch maybe. And then I can do whatever I need to do when it comes to housework or, you know, the honeydew list. And then I have my night. I have my night. This is nonsense. This is abs- what you just said is absolute nonsense. Well, usually Nobody that never happens. ever goes to the 11 o'clock game and says, I'm going to go home by 3 o'clock, and then I'm going to have my whole night to go out and do my yard work, and then I'll maybe run some work? errands, and I'll do this. Bull crap. You stay there, you watch the whole game, and then you start Who's- drinking, and then you're like, oh, I need a ride. Oh, yeah, usually. I usually get tuned up. But That's what I'm saying. There's no way you're doing anything. But then you have you your night. Anyways. You have your night to yourself. I mean, there's one variable that neither of you are accounting for. I just want to hear Gus Johnson. <laughs> get out of here, with Gus Johnson. Take. I just want to be. I want to be. He is better at Gus football Johnson. than he is at basketball. I'll give him that. He's rising great. fire. Stop, Gus. I get it, Ben. But I love the 11 a.m. kick. I don't mind the 2:30. If that's the night game. Here's what happens. I get absolutely plowed. Like, I'm like Blackout Express. You know what? I'm going to take a a Terry from the north side look at this. What about the kids? What about the kids? Terry starts drinking at 6 o'clock in the morning. What about the kids on Saturday morning football? They're playing at 8, 9, 10 o'clock. How do I reach these kids? They're not going to be able to go to an 11 o'clock game. Well, how about this? This bodes well. for everybody. This bodes well for you, Rowdy, in the 2.30 camp and beyond. And young Ben Kenny. Who kind of looks like Graham Mertz? I saw this. Graham Mertz. <laughs> this, maybe this, this, no, this maybe is, this is why your stock has been down lately, Ben. You, look, stock? Like, you look like Graham Mertz. In what way is my stock? Your been stock down? was at an all time high in 2020. Ben, all of 2020. Well, guess what? Your stock's about to go up. Because Graham Mertz's stock's that. about to go up. Here, here we go, boys. 11 a.m. kickoffs for Graham Mertz. 55% completion. 6.2 yards in attempt, 
per attempt, five touchdowns, eight interceptions, and a rating of 108. That's 11 a.m. games. Non-11 a.m. games for Graham Mertz. 63% completion. 7.5 yards. Five touchdowns, three interceptions, and a pass rating of 133. A non-11 a.m. games. Graham Mertz and this schedule and young Ben Kenny stock about to go up. Should I add context to this or does that not matter? Depends what the context is. A lot of the bigger games are 11 o'clock kickoffs. Here's the context. I will now name you the teams they played at 11 last year (laughs) and where they ranked defensively (laughs) in the country. Oh, no. Penn State, top 15 defense. Notre Dame, top 15 defense. Michigan, top five defense. (laughs) Iowa, another top seven defense. Northwestern, they sucked. He played well. Give him credit. And that's it. Give yourself credit. He played literally every great defense then. The other windows were Illinois, Eastern Michigan, (laughs) Army, Purdue, Rutgers, Nebraska, and then uh, Minnesota. I'm trying to get on Grammar Society again. I'm a guy who was done with them and wanted Caleb Williams. And now I'm ready for Deacon Hill. Sorry, Chase Wolf. Okay? I'm trying to get back on the merch train. It's hard to get back on. I'm trying to help keep you on the right side of history here. I'm trying to get my hopes up. Rowdy, how about this for 2.30 kickoffs? Non-11 a.m. And tell me you think Grammerts. Let me ask you if Grammerts is going to ball. Now, maybe they could just hand the ball off and whatever. He doesn't need to do anything besides not fumble it. Illinois State, 6 o'clock. Does, do the Badgers pound ass? Yeah, yeah he doesn't I mean, even they need better. to play. Washington State, 2.30. Do the Badgers pound um, ass? And again, they should win by multiple touchdowns. 14-point favorites. Washington State's quarterback, Cam Ward, is an electric factory. The rest of the roster sucks. Electric factory. He is awesome. New Mexico State, 230. Dude, the Badgers pound. I said this when RJ was on. It's literally yes. the worst team <laughs> in Division A college football. They are. They're worse than UConn and UMass. All right. So this is boarding well for, you would assume, maybe Braylon Allen, but hopefully Graham Mertz as well. Up next, it's not going to be an 11 o'clock kickoff because it's on AB- Ohio State. The, do the Badgers, boys? Pound. This is going to be pounded? where Ben Stock in downtown Madison will be all-time low that year. Like this fall, that'll be your all-time lowest stock. They're going to get waxed. Okay, but we we expect that, right? Like we already Oh, 100%. Anything better than getting waxed is a success. Doesn't it just feel like a little disappointing that we're already talking about? Yeah, well, that's a guaranteed loss. Like I'm chalking that I'm one not, up. No, no, but no, no t- times in the past like couple of years ago or 2017 you're like you wanted Ohio State you couldn't wait to play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game because it felt like it was a game that was very winnable can I explain Does you not the difference? feel like a game that's winnable this year the difference that was when JT Barrett played quarterback well, now they have the okay, future I think you could also in the draft boys boys, no. boys 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 I don't want to be an Ohio right, State no, guy right here, just, right, right, right. here's the thing right now right now I'm thinking like we're gonna get just pummeled pounded okay but come when Zach Heilprin asked my prediction on, what's the game, 924. So when Zach asked me my prediction on 923, September 23rd, for his article he, wrote, he writes on the like, you know, little preview for the game, when he asked me my prediction for Ohio State, you know what I'm going to say? Wisconsin wins. Correct. I have never once picked against the Badgers in the 10 years. How long has the zone been around? 
whatever how long it's been around 10 years, I have never once in a decade picked for the Badgers to lose. Yeah, and then he's also... No matter the opponent. Bef- before he says it, Ben, he's also probably going to go and play a few clips, and it'll probably... I can already name the two clips. It'll be like a David Gilreath kick return, and then it'll be like the Lee <laughs> Evans out and up bomb. <laughs> like, those will be the two that he gets hyped to say that he's going to beat Ohio State. Would play Jack Cohn's touchdown run in the 2019 Big Ten title. I'll play the first half. Captain Jack. I'll play the first half. No, no, no. I was the Big Ten title game against Ohio State. The first half. I was talking about uh, clips where they actually won the game. Uh, they won the first half rowdy against Ohio State. Remember, we remember tailgaters and Stoughton? Yeah, it was fun. It was awesome. For and then, the first half and halftime, and then, then reality the second, second half. half. <laughs> so I do have some numbers I do think matter, and they kind of bode well for Mertz. Well, hang on. Let me real quick. Northwestern is a 2.30 or a 3 o'clock kick. Badgers yeah, pound. Win. They'll win. Michigan State, 2.30 or a 3 o'clock kick. If I had to guess today, it's That's a at, loss. In East Lansing. And then there is the only other one named is Purdue. That's our homecoming, their homecoming at 2.30. Wisconsin's homecoming. Purdue hasn't beat Wisconsin in 15 years. So it looks like Mertz and your stock is going to be up for these effing 2.30 games. Yeah, things line up pretty well. All right, the now o- what were you going to say? Well, the only problem is a lot of those tough games are on the road. Don't ever, don't, down don't, the don't bring me down here. How about this? So you know how good defenses gave Graham Mertz trouble last year? Mm-hmm. So when Wisconsin played top 25 defenses, seven games, 900 yards, 54% completion, yards per attempt, three and a half, eight picks, four touchdowns. When he played outside of top 25 defenses, which are not as good, 1,000 yards, 67% completion, six touchdowns, three picks, nine and a half yards per attempt. Mm. This year, after facing seven top 25 defenses last year, Wisconsin is slated to face only four. I say that all to say they have a lot more matchups against subpar teams that Mertz has shown he is good against. So this is the year for Mertz. Not going to say that. I think things line up okay. If Mertz does this, if Mertz does well, Ben, it bodes good for you. Oh, definitely. You could go downtown. You could get some people really drunk, like go down like near bar time. They they buy your drinks. Was it 2019 into 2020 where like the big thing to say was like season, like S Z N. CM. I remember in, in fall of 2020, it was a lot of Mertz season. It's Mertz season. Yeah, that was weird. No, <laughs> that was people, Braylon Allen season. People were doing that as soon as 2019 ended. And that was, <laughs> that was a, uh, you know, if, if you want to play the what if game and Zach and I are going to do this later in the summer, what if Jack Cohen never breaks his foot? Oh, a lot of things are different. Jack Cohen left because of you stalking him. That's <laughs> he had a restraining order against you. That's uh, why. You guys love a good narrative. <laughs> Don't bring me down on my when I say that come September 23rd, before the day before when Zach asked me to help him, Wisconsin will beat Ohio State. In, and I'll say in a shocker. Well, I don't think it'd be anything but a shocker. <laughs> yeah. In a I w- shocker. I will be shocked. And I say you heard it here first on May what the, the, May 27th. You heard it only here. You heard it here. May 27th, the year of 2022, our Lord, Wisconsin, will beat Ohio State on September 24th. There is nowhere else you will hear. And then the narrator narrator also goes, and then the station was shut down by June because (laughs) the people found running it were found clinically insane. (laughs) I am fit. I lost my mind a long time ago. Hey, Rowdy? Unfit to perform his work duties. (laughs) All right, talking a little Packers when we uh, started the show.
Green Bay Packers, NFL.com, has them predicted to have the seventh best offense in the NFL. You pair that with what we're all being told, a top five defense. Some saying could be the number one D. Sounds like a Super Bowl team coming up here. Uh, but with that, let's take a step back. Oop, there goes gravity, Rowdy. Step back to reality as we got a little bit here on the Packers wide receivers. Can you list off the Packers wide receivers, Rowdy, of the top of your head? Off the top of my head, we would have Randall Cobb. He's pretty old in NFL years. Sammy Watkins. He's also oft injured. Alan Lazard. The lizard man. A little kind of slow, but, you know. Christian Watson. Who knows what the jump will be from, what, North Dakota State? Romeo Dubs. Cousin or nephew of Snoop Dogg? Neither, but he played in oh, Snoop yeah, Dogg's on, youth league. I was thinking of the guy on special teams. What the hell is that? Uh, Keyshawn yeah. Nixon. He was on Snoop Dogg's team, yes, on Netflix, correct? What Samari Toure. What up, cuz? Will he even be on the roster? And then you have your guys that have been like your six receivers slash practice squad guys and Malik Taylor, Jawan Winfrey. When you he- when you hear yourself list those names. Don't forget Danny Davis was brought in. Oh, uh, yes, Daniel Davis. When you list those names, Rowdy, and we'll even throw Danny Davis in there, does that sound like to you a team that could compete for the seventh best offense in the NFL? Now, uh, when you list those no, names and you talk it, about receiver, you would say no. But thankfully, when you talk about offense, there's more than just wide receiver. Yes. There's uh, quarterback, offensive line, running back, sometimes fullbacks, sometimes, tight ends. sometimes, sometimes. Receivers. Uh, so we'll get to the rest of that when it comes to you know what is going on here with the Packers wide receiver room. Uh, I ran across this stat: Aaron Charles Rogers. Now we've always said he makes the wide receiver. Most recent season throwing ten plus interceptions. I forgot one guy. Oh, Amari Rogers. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Amari. Hey, better late than never, Rowdy. When it comes to in the though, best shape of his life. That's so they say. Most recent season throwing 10-plus interceptions. All of these quarterbacks have done it in 2021, their most recent. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Derek Carr. Next on the list for the most recent season throwing 10-plus interceptions of that kind of stature of quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Rowdy, when's the last time you think Rodgers threw 10-plus interceptions off the top of your head? 2009. Close, 2010. That's the last, that's the most recent season of him throwing 10-plus interceptions. 2010. Tom Brady, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Allen, Jackson, Stafford, Prescott, Carr, all did it last year. Aaron Rodgers, damn good with the football and damn good at making a wide receiver. We've seen it before. Randall Cobb saying, damn the media and damn the people out there saying that we don't have what it takes in the wide receiver room to compete. I do like the addition of Sammy Watkins. You as well, I assume? If he I think there's healthy, upside obviously. there. I mean, he's yeah. got to stay healthy, but this is a guy, he played pretty well for the Kansas City Chiefs. I know it was a couple of years ago, but then people go, yeah, but look at his numbers in production. He was also playing behind, he was playing like third fiddle at best, where he had Tyreek Hill ahead of him. Travis Kelsey was obviously ahead of him. I thought he played his role extremely well with Kansas City, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like and say, dude, look up Sammy. He was Watkins. huge in that Super Bowl win. Dude, he's a wild boy too. Did he scored. He scored one touchdown or two touchdowns. Had at least one. Yeah, he's a wild boy too. Go look at uh, some of the stuff that he gets down with. It's crazy. Read. I dig it. I'm here for it. But Rowdy, 
Alan Lazard was on the Jim the Jimothy Rome show yesterday. I wanted to play this clip from Lazard as Lazard talks about his bigger role. Uh, yes, Ben Kenny. What show? The Jimothy Rome show. Who's that? Uh they have you might know the band Guns N' Roses, the Welcome to the Jungle song plays. Oh yeah, yeah. He goes, What is up, clones? Jim Rome here. Hot takes not sucking. He used to have a TV show too. No, Jim does. Rome is burning. Oh yeah, Jim Yep. He's he's still got Rome now. Uh, it's on CBS Sports Network. Then what is up? Jim Rome here. I heard you're not a fan. Why? I just haven't listened. <laughs> Wouldn't really know what the intro music is like. <laughs> Obviously. Not speaking from experience at all. I do dig the Dropkick Murphys, though, now. Thanks. Of Kenny and Heilprin. For me, like, listen, Guns N' Roses, I don't know you guys are music guys, Guns N' Roses, though, if I hear them, and, and classic rock guys and rock guys, don't get your panties in a bunch here. When they come on the radio, I turn the channel. I've I've had enough. Well, how about I've this? I've heard enough of Welcome to the Jungle. I've heard enough what about this for of You'll Be Mine. Do you think this offense, we talk about how the defense should be good on paper, can this offense with these wide receivers and tight ends take the Green Bay Packers to Paradise City and hoist the Super Bowl? (laughs) They'll look at Vince Lombardi Trophy and they say, you'll be mine, Rowdy. Um, Let's see here. Sometimes with all of these older players, maybe, maybe they don't make the roster. You'd say you got to live or let die. That was a cover, though. Uh, uh, Good. You got to have patience, Rowdy, when it comes to the NFL season. It is a grind. Other teams are going to want to try and uh, attack the Green Bay Packers' perceived weaker offense with an appetite for destruction. Correct. And you hope they're not estranged with Aaron Rodgers coming up here. I do believe Rodgers is the sweet child of mine when it comes to the Packers. And we'll be knocking on heaven's door to tell Vince Lombardi we got the trophy back. Uh, Also, Rowdy, a cover knocking on heaven's door. So don't cry if they lose, okay? But, <laughs> Ben, those are all Guns N' Roses songs, by the way. I know. I, I've heard of half of them. I'll take half. Jimothy Rome, though, who has the Welcome to the Jungle intro, he had Alan Lazard on. I wanted to play this for you guys as Lazard talks about his bigger role and his Super Bowl ambitions. When you look at the team, the team did trade... Devontae Adams, the team did move or let Marquez Valdez-Scantling leave him for Marquez, agency. Jim. What was your reaction to those Get two right. moves? And then how do you think that's going to impact your role coming into the season? Yeah, I think it definitely put me into a, a bigger role. Um, obviously, losing those two guys who are elite at what they do, especially Devontae um wide receiver in the game, I would say. So losing those two guys... Um, obviously, it's detrimental, but, you know, there's no time to, to sit in our sorrows or anything, and we still have the standard and expectation that the Green Bay Packers will forever live on of bringing that Lombardi trophy back. So with that comes more of a responsibility on my plate, and to me, it's nothing new. You know, I feel like I've dealt with a lot of adversity, a lot of challenges throughout my entire career from high school to college and to getting into the NFL and then being able to sustain my career to where it is now with the Green Bay Packers. So, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm more than excited for the opportunity that will be presented this fall for me. All right, so is Alan Lazard the number one for the Packers? I, In my opinion, I think he is. Because one, right now, we would say that Alan Lazard, for the guys that are still currently on the roster, is arguably the combination of most proven, best chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, and the guy that stays the healthiest. Because I think you could argue that Randall Cobb 
over time is probably the most proven guy. Yeah. But he's and probably has the best chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, but he's just not available. I think Rob Reichel came on and said yesterday he hasn't played a full season since 2015. <sighs> and Mike McCarthy once said being available, Rowdy, is the most important thing. And at times it really is, especially when you're talking about <laughs> Players in the NFL, you're not helping anyone sitting on the sideline. No. Now, I I do think, in my opinion, Alan Lazard is the number one receiver. He is a guy that still is of the age where he's getting better and better. He's not past the age of 30 or quickly approaching it. He hasn't had any big-time injuries since he's been with the Green Bay Packers, and he's been a guy that Aaron Rodgers has liked. They've seemed like they have a nice, good bond on the field. They got the all-natural connection. Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard, they're purebloods. And, uh, like, Sammy Watkins is an unknown. Him and Aaron Rodgers have never never played together. Obviously, it's his first year in the system. He's also a guy that has to stay healthy. When When he's been healthy, like, I keep going back to the Kansas City Chiefs. I know last season he didn't. He wasn't healthy, and I believe he was on the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Where but Lamar the Ravens, him, dude. the Ravens had so many injuries all over the board on both defense and offense, and Lamar Jackson wasn't that great last year. Yeah. That one, it is kind of what it is. I look back at his chief days, and I think he was he was decent in that role. And then, obviously, his first few years in the league with Buffalo, he was a lot younger, a lot fresher. So. That's kind of what he was. But I think at this point, Cobb and Watkins, you're trying to get anything from. Alan Lazard is clearly your, your number one because, well, one, Amari Rogers isn't. Yeah, and you hope and, Christian Watson can make a huge jump. I'm and Watson, sure. Dubs, Toure, everyone else they're bringing in are clearly guys you you don't know much about. You would hope that a guy like Watson or, or Dubs can step in yeah. and be like a third or fourth receiver. But, I mean, that's all hearsay at this point. Benjamin? It's clearly Lazard. Clearly Lazard. Lazard, the number one, the Lizard King. The all-natural connection with Aaron Rodgers. Well, by the way, Sammy Watkins, big UFO guy. Big alien dude. And we know Rodgers is. So there's a connection right there. All right, speaking of Randall Cobb, Rowdy, uh, he was with the media a couple, uh, two days ago, was talking about how what it would mean for him to finally play in a Super Bowl. Take a listen. I said, take a listen. Uh, I mean, it, just looking at the journey, it, it would mean everything. Um, you know, just being able to come back, it definitely would be a storybook ending uh, for this year. Uh, everything that has happened uh, through the course of the season uh, for us to have so many guys that we lost, including myself throughout the season, uh, me get, getting traded back here and being a part of it. You know, last year I was watching the past two years. I've been watching the playoffs from the couch. Past four years I've been watching the playoffs from the couch. I haven't seen a playoff since 2016. So um, I'm really excited uh, for the opportunity just to to be out there and and help contribute. It's got to be tough. Well, he was also, if I remember correctly, wasn't Randall Cobb drafted the year after the Packers won the the Super Bowl? Bowl. Yep, you were correct. Uh, Randall Cobb, though, talking about how much sacrifice and hard work did it take to get back from that core muscle surgery in time for playoffs? Uh, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, uh, overzealous about my situation. You know, I'm, th- this is easy. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a, a real injury. I wasn't really going, I mean, I had a real injury. Obviously I had core surgery and, and bouncing back, but there's people out there that's going through real life things, single mothers, that's 
trying to raise two kids. Uh, what I what I did to get back is not a big deal. Um, I'm coming back to play a football game. I did everything in my will um, to will myself back. I did everything I could to will myself back uh, for these playoffs. Um, you know, my injury, they said six to eight weeks. And, you know, I think I was ready in four and a half, five. All right, so him talking about, you know, the injury right there. That's the one thing, and we've talked about a lot about Cobb. He's got to stay healthy. Yeah, and he now, you know, hats off to him for getting in there, working hard, and making sure that he was doing the rehab and, and the physical therapy and got back earlier than expected for that playoff run. But also, if I want to play devil's advocate a little bit, he's had plenty of time to um, sharpen those PT skills. <laughs> yes, he has. So, I mean, Randall Cobb. I mean, he didn't really do too much though. With no, the he. Last I I was actually he had when, like one game. I think that was when they officially said that they were trading for Randall Cobb with the Houston Texans. I was like, whatever. I mean, <laughs> if it's gonna make Aaron Rodgers happy, so we don't have to hear him. Because at the time, remember Aaron Rodgers and and Brian Gutekunst. Everyone in the media was saying how they hated each other and that Aaron Rodgers needed the the Packers brass to listen to him and do some of the moves that he wanted him to make. And it was kind of almost like they, they were pitted one against each other. Yeah. At the time it was like, okay, whatever. I really don't care. Randall Cobb, if he's his buddy, I mean, he's not going to be a big time receiver on this team. If, if as long as Aaron Rodgers doesn't bitch and I don't have to see him uh, going back and forth, like the Mike McCarthy end days, fine, whatever. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll be a good leader and, and, you know, like a, a guy to kind of show the younger guys the way. It was kind of a meh deal for me. Well, he came in, and I thought that overall, when he was healthy, I actually thought that Randall Cobb looked like he had a little bit left in him. No, he he wasn't Randall Cobb from the first go-around with the Packers, but it looked like he had a little bit of juice left. What did he have here? And then he wasn't able to stay healthy. 28 catches, 375 yards, five touchdowns for Cobby. Like, it wasn't like he was all of a sudden like a a number one or a number two receiver, but he showed that when he was healthy, I thought just a little bit left where he could still make some plays. He was still a wide receiver that you didn't mind having on the roster. You're going to need even more of that out of Randall Cobb, but it just gets a little bit more dicey because he's once again a year older. Father time is undefeated. Another injury that season. Yep. Maybe he can uh, help out Amari Rogers. Real quick, though, would you be all right? So you, you sign Randall Cobb, you sign Sammy Watkins. Together, they're making less than $6 million a year. Would you feel okay if you got combined one full season out of Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins? Basically, both guys played eight, nine games. If those two vets yeah, yeah, could yeah. combine to equal one season, you got half a year out of both yeah, of them. Yeah, I'm spending much money. I'd be fine with that, wouldn't you? I mean, I you feel obviously like you want a you full got, season. You got to get more, but if you had that, if if like Watson or Dubs stepped up, yeah. maybe you could get away with them only playing yeah. half a I mean, season. Be, it wouldn't be ideal, but it'd be fine, I guess. Now, usually when I bring this topic up, the phone lines blow up, and all of a sudden, guns come blazing at young one young Ben Kenny. But how about this? Daniel Tosh, I mean, Lane Kiffin, talking about NIL. Get that money, baby! Did you guys see what Lane Kiffin had to say about NIL? I did. Interesting comments from the Lane train talking about how, quote, how are we not a professional sport? Also saying 
Most recruits are choosing schools based on NIL money and, quote, how can you blame them when a lot of them never make the NFL? Go and build these great weight rooms, but you ain't going to have any good players in them if you don't have NIL money. Well, first off, if I was going to play devil at, devil's advocate against Lane Kiffin here, I would say, Lane, you know how you can tell the difference between this being college football and NFL football? You have success at this level. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> well done, Rowdy. Uh, Benjamin, uh, comments on Lane Kiffin. I know when it comes to NIL, you're kind of like the the epicenter here of you know callers and, and us and heat when it comes to NIL. What's your take on the Lane train? Saying, hey, man, you need that NIL money if you even want to compete in this world anymore. Well, he's right. I think the key here is he's talking about this world. I think the world he's talking about is the SEC. If he wants to compete in the SEC, he brought in, I I think, the second best transfer class in the country behind USC this year. And we know what USC did with Caleb Williams and all those guys. But he brought in the second best transfer class. He knows that in order to somehow win at Ole Miss and beat Bama and beat Georgia, beat LSU... He needs to, they need to be players in the NIL sphere. I, I think some of the comments probably are directed partially at the boosters. Like when, when these coaches come out and say it, they're saying it kind of so that the boosters realize I need to go get involved or else we're not going to win as many games. I, I do think we can differentiate the world Wisconsin lives in from that one in terms of who they're playing and the conference they're in. Okay, how about the Big Ten though? Um Obviously, just you kind of brought it up. So Lane Kiffin saying, quote, 100% of high school players are choosing schools based on the highest NIL guarantee. And he doesn't blame them, yada, yada, yada. And I don't did- think it's 100%. Maybe 100% in the South. So for, hmm, like, the Big Ten, if you had a big-time recruit, let's say, and just play along with me, let's say, like, in Ohio State and Wisconsin, it's like number one and number two. got to decide where I want to go. And Ohio State's like, yo, we got dudes ready to just throw millions of dollars at you. Wisconsin's like, yeah, we have this website called UW. You can put your name on there. If people want to reach out, they can, I guess. Yeah, and once you get here, you might be able to ask um, Graham Mertz about how he went about starting T-shirts. Yeah, if you're an offensive lineman, you can get with uh, our, bo- our our boys and, uh, you know, I don't even remember the Mission, Mission Barbecue. Barbecue. You, can get some, you can get some brisket. I'll well, take the millions of dollars. My question here is when has a recruit chose Wisconsin over Ohio State? Well, I'm just saying play along. Yeah, no, I I definitely see it, and that's the reality of where we're at. I think the rich will just get richer, the Ohio State and Notre Dame and those level programs. See, I really don't think Notre Dame's, when it comes to recruiting, is that much higher than Wisconsin, where Wisconsin has been the last few seasons. Now, granted, I do think Ohio State, Alabama, LSUs are definitely in their own tier one class. I really do think, though, that Notre Dame may be slightly higher than Wisconsin, but what Wisconsin's done the last few years, they've been fighting over a lot of the same recruits because you'll get one guy that commits to Wisconsin, and the next time you'll have an offensive lineman commit to Notre Dame. Both guys or both teams were in on said players. Year in and year out, there's no other school more overrated than Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame came into Wisconsin. They took Billy Strouth last year. Notre Dame is one of the most overrated. They live on their name and their name alone. I mean, they were a good team last year. Yeah, but were they? But for Notre Dame standards, were they? Oh, I, I mean, they beat Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, they, okay, but for Notre Dame standards, were they? What did they do? Their one loss of the season was to Cincinnati. I think they had a good team. Their standards are are weird. Well, they're the most overhyped team. Wisconsin is always like, well, they had a nice season. 
Notre Dame's always like, oh, disappointment. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I, I don't think they're in the same world recruiting. Uh, class of 2022. Well, they got a bigger name. Notre Dame was number nine in the country. Wisconsin was number 41. They just have a bigger name. They the only time name. they came close was in 2021 when Wisconsin had an outlier year. Notre Dame was at number 10 and Wisconsin was at number 16. Wouldn't you say, though, on your way to continue to get better at recruiting and pull in better players each and every year, you're much closer to Notre Dame, whether that be the level you're recruiting at and the footprint than you are to Ohio State? Like Ohio State's grabbing kids pretty much all over the country. Well, yeah. Now, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, I feel like are more Midwest, the better players of the Midwest, which Ohio State also gets. Kind of. I I think Marcus Freeman is changing it a bit. Uh, If you look at their 2023 class right now, it's ranked number one in the country. They have a five-star from Tampa, a couple four-stars from Texas, a four-star from Massachusetts, New Jersey, Maryland, California, Washington. So I think Marcus Freeman has has done a really good job. Yeah, but Wisconsin is is getting guys like Donald Driver's son from Texas. Oh, he actually never came to his visit. Yeah, he didn't show up. Unbelievable. His his dad, Donald Driver, rules the state with an iron fist with those click it or ticket commercials. So, like, Barry Alvarez was obviously the one that started dipping into the East Coast with, like, the New Jersey. Was it... um, I think it wasn't it Brett Bielema who started grabbing more players from Florida. That's the only thing he was grabbing. I'm not sure. No, I'm saying I think that's he started dipping more into like the Florida, the state of Florida. Obviously, Paul Christ has done a a much better job recruiting the Midwest. Yeah. Gary Anderson tried to get Juco guys. (laughs) Jerry, (laughs) those are the lost years for a reason. But we had a plaque in here that said the, the Gary Anderson era and when he, the day he was fired ever, I took it and I made a video and I threw it in the garbage and I spit on it. Gary nice. Anderson complained that he couldn't get good players in here because of the standards and the grades, which I guess to an extent he had some type of uh, leg to stand on. But again, all the guys before him, like Barry Alvarez, Brett yeah, Bielema, no and the problem. guys after him still got a ton of good players. Gary Anderson trying to get dudes eating paint chips. He's also the one that benched Melvin Gordon. Yeah, and he gave Joel Stabe the yips. Speaking of good players. And he ruined Jordan Love. I'm getting all pissed off about Gary Anderson again. I'm getting all hot and sweaty. And let's let's not forget that some of the guys that he was recruiting that wanted to come in and play like quarterback, Austin Coventus, ended up playing like safety in college. That was supposed to be the big quarterback that he was bringing in. And if you're looking at another one of his recruits that he was like, because this kid was not eligible or anywhere close for the grade standards. He was pushing and pushing and pushing for this kid to get in because he was an athlete. He like got brought up on like murder charges. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it was safe to say is NIL, whatever, but we still have a lot of pent up aggression for Gary Anderson. That guy is a stinker, dude. You know what else is weird about? Hey, he quit. He quit. What was that back at Utah State? Or was it Oregon, Oregon State. State? He quit at Oregon State and said, I've done such a horrible job. I'm not even going to take the money you still owe me. He did that at Utah State, too. <laughs> Gary, did you know that about Gary Anderson, Ben? No. Everywhere, yes. Oh, actually, everywhere I, he's I remember. Quit, everywhere he's quit or been fired, he goes, I don't want to be paid out what you owe me. I suck so much that I don't deserve the money. That's the only thing I respect about him, I guess. I personally would have taken the money because I signed the contract. But Gary is like, I don't want the money. I'm so bad. But people keep hiring him. Anyways, back to NIL money. Uh, one last thing from uh, the Lane Train, Lane Kiffin, and said, saying that basically he can't believe that they're not professional. We're a professional sport, and they are professional players. 
He's basically saying, I can't believe we haven't moved a professional model yet. Is this the step towards it, though, with NIL? They're going to sometime in the future. Yeah. I think I can believe why they haven't moved to a professional model because they move slowly. They, they're slow as molasses even when they need change. Glacier speed. Years, years down the road, I could see the Power Five breaking off and becoming their own entity. He is right about that. Interesting. So Lane Kiffin saying you need the money if you want to compete. You need that NIL. Does that I, that, that applies for everyone? You it said does. You, you just said the SEC, but that applies for everybody. I mean, yeah, it does. Again, Wisconsin will still, you know, win eight nine games a year. Maybe reach a Big Ten title. They and just won't. They will never recruit at the level of Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan in the Midwest and. If they they maybe could have set their sights on it in the 2021 range, you would hope they can get back to that point. But I think it's safe to say where things are trending right now, they're not going to be that level, which then limits where your ceiling is. I think it'll be harder to win the Big Ten. It'll be nearly impossible to compete in the playoff, but that is what it is. I'm trying to think of like the biggest company here in Wisconsin. Was it Epic? Yeah. They got more money than God. And her alma mater, uh, Judith Faulkner, who started Epic, is the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She is a billionaire. Judy? My girl, Judy? I'm going to say... Open up those pockets, girl. Yeah, I'm going to say, though... We, we, we want to beat Ohio State to make the championship what, what game. Baby her, steps. What was her name? Judy. Judith Faulkner. Big Judith Judy. Faulkner... <laughs> the owner of Epic just really doesn't come off as a huge Wisconsin football booster. I could be wrong, but that that name doesn't really feel like a big Wisconsin football fan. Uh, what's who's another company? Right here? Okay. Like she's probably a bigger fan to the band, just based off of all that. I'm trying to trying to do a little digging here. Um, she is the richest person in Wisconsin, I do believe. Um. Yeah, I can't really find anything about her and affinity for Wisconsin football. Oh, there she is in a game, I think. Oh, okay. Confirmed at Camp Randall one time. Ben? I have some eyes in that building. I, th- I think a lot of people in Madison have eyes in that building. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to Epic? No. It's wild. I had I a friend that worked to. there. Dude, it's crazy. My friends have told me stories. It's crazy. It's crazy. Everyone I knew that worked there got burnt out with like like four months and wanted to like end their lives. Yeah, all my friends quit. <laughs> yeah. Everyone Except I know. One. It's like, hey, what do you do there? Oh, I'm a project manager. Oh, how often do, what do you work a week? Like 90 hours a week? Yeah. Do you have time I, to do anything besides breathe and work? No. Also, my mom, uh, inner city doctor. She probably has Epic software. Epic is the worst thing, and this is her quote, uh, the worst thing to ever happen to my profession. Well, well, this would be the in, best thing to have for Wisconsin football. Judge Smales Burner says no. Pretty sure she hates sports. Oh no. Also, I had a, I know a couple Judy, people. Judy, th- medical software. There. Guys get hurt on the football field. They have to go to the hospital. Medical software. I know a couple people that work there and have lasted a decently long time. One being closer to my age, who finally got that like um, five year five trip. year. You go oh, live abroad for my, a month. For my free. cousin has worked there for like fifteen years. She's been everywhere. Well, the thing with this is the only one, one was, I know that's lasted over like four months. Yeah, they pay you to go to Europe. They're like, if you can last here five years, we will pay you. That's to go exactly live in what Europe happened. But free. they they finally earned their trip. They went and did it. Just happened to be in early to mid March. Oh no! Right when coronavirus was hitting, oh, everything no. was getting shut down. So that uh, what five six week sabbatical got cut to like two or three weeks. Mm. That's 
<laughs> That's one where you go, um, I was hey, out Judy, there. take the I'll check take the cash. for the IOU. The cash equivalent. I was out there at that time. Not a great experience. I, I believe it. Well, we got to start finding someone else with some bigger pockets. If we want to. Culver's beat. Quick Trip. Yeah, but there's really, I mean, Craig Craig, 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 the the big owner, but a lot of them are franchised. I have offered uh, the Bill Michael show to become a large-scale Wisconsin booster. Yeah, Bill can drive the prospects around the big unit cruiser. Done. There it is. Bill, there's your assignment. (laughs) You can drive them around with a bunch of Bud Light. Some quick trip sandwiches. Dude, okay, have you guys ever seen? I think, Bill, Bill, we got to figure out Have you guys ever seen Little Giants? Of course. No. Uh, what do you mean, no? So John Madden is rolling around in this tour bus, a.k.a. the big unit cruiser, and he gets off and he stops at the little kid's practice with all these superstars, a.k.a. recruits. That could be Bill Michaels and the recruits. Yeah. It's a lot Ben Hill. I don't know why we're both looking at Ben. It's never seen it. Brownie and I are both looking at Ben for reactions. Like, I've never like, seen it. Like, the Wisconsin <laughs> good is the, the team right now for Wisconsin is decent. We call them tier two. But when we get the the big unit cruiser and some of those recruits he's picking up around the country, they'll get off. They'll look like the players in the Little Giants versus the Badgers' current team. All right, I'm in. That's a plan. Hang on, I have to, an idea. You just need to figure out the uh, routes. I have on an idea how to get there. I have an idea. Sorry, Stex, I got to pause you quick. Because then John Madden goes into a Wisconsin long elab- elaborated how they got there. I have an idea. Wisconsin should start, by the way, by hiring an inside linebackers coach, but that's neither here nor oh, there. Oh, Bill Sheridan gives his, his job back. All right. This is called Hypnotic Music Transfer Meditation. Good God. Judy. Judy Faulkner. You are listening because everyone listens. You will take your billions of dollars and you will give NIL deals to the best recruits in the country. They will come to Wisconsin with your billions. You will give them anything they want. Because you have more money than God. We will then win the Big Ten. Make the Final Four with your money and recruits. And it will come back tenfold and you will be the hero of Wisconsin. So King on Twitch here. I was just hypnotizing her. King on Twitch goes, Craig Culver went to UWO, so he's only going to give NIL deals for those kids. I actually think that might be a thing. Our guy Fuller, who played for UW Oshkosh, I think he got a ton of free Scoopy coupons. (laughs) Scoopy coupons. You know what? What? uh, Whatever her name is. Judith Faulkner. Give us money. When it gets cold, I think that could be a... a, uh, a detriment to some recruiting efforts. The fact that it gets to negative 20. She can have a weather machine. She can make when she's the money. She has to like it. Epic. They have the tunnels that go underground. Get everything. Build football players. I think tunnels. it's a little bit of a, you scratch our back. We'll scratch your back. Wisconsin starts taking and using all the Epic systems. Yeah.